lovelies to the Ultimate Dance Business Podcast. My name is Deborah Laws, the dance business expert. My passion is to help you turn your passion into profit while guiding you to work less and earn more. I'm super excited to share interviews with you that I know will inspire and motivate you in your schools, as well as my solo shows where I shall be sharing some great tips and strategies. So if you love the show, please do remember to review, subscribe and share it with your fellow dance boss friends. So let's get stuck into the business of dance. Today's guest, ladies and gents, is Cheryl Dodd, who co-founded Stars Ballet. She did this 12 years ago and operates across 31 locations with a team of 10 fantastic ballet teachers. Cheryl is a trained and experienced commercial manager, accredited ICF coach, business mentor and leadership specialist. For fun, Cheryl also helps children start their own business through her business kids courses and I'm very excited to find out today just how Cheryl has created such an incredible dance business. Cheryl, thank you so much for joining me today. You have got such a business mindset. You are the perfect person to come on and talk to my lovely listeners. Um, but I'm sure everybody would really like to know a lot about, a lot more about what it is that you do. Um, and then I've got lots of really juicy questions for you today. So welcome to Cheryl. I'm going to let you introduce yourself if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Deborah. Um, hi, everybody. So I'm Cheryl Dodd. I co-founded Stars Ballet 12 years ago um, in South Hants. So we're only in South of Hampshire, um, but we've been running for 12 years. We've got 31 locations and 10 amazing dance teachers, um, all of which you know, are still busy running our Stars Ballet classes today. And we're all getting ready for the shows this week. But in addition to Stars Ballet, and this might be the edge for this podcast and why maybe... I might be a little bit different to some of your members. My previous life before Stars Ballet, I was a store manager for Marks and Spencer, and I was an area manager for 30 odd stores for Debenhams. So I was commercially trained. I was very customer focused. My role for more than a decade was to build and lead teams. So when I had my children and decided to start my first business, I partnered up with an amazing um, performers college graduate, um, Leanne, and we launched ballet classes, but from two very different perspectives. Ah, so did you have a dance background? No. Oh, I didn't realise this. I, I do dance, I can hmm. dance, but I'm not a trained dancer. I'm a business person. 
And that's really fascinating because, you know, a lot of people think that you have to come from the background that you're running your business from. And I've got a great friend in Singapore, actually, who has never danced before and has an incredible studio. Um, and so it's it's really interesting to see that actually you don't need to have the skill set in the studio to actually be great at business which to me says that business is more than just knowing about dance. And, that, and that's kind of why I'm here. So what kind of skills do you feel like you brought to Stars Ballet? It's really the training that I had to become a manager. So that's a word we don't use very much now, do we? We use the word leader all of the time. But actually, I went through a management training program. And that management training program taught me through not only the lessons but the experience that I had running my stores to build and lead great teams but also to drive sales to drive profit to give excellent customer service to problem solve to spot opportunities to manage risk all of this stuff that became second nature to me in my old roles actually have also helped me hugely running a dance business. Yeah, absolutely. And people listening can kind of hear all those things that you're saying and think, yeah, I need, I try and do that and I try and do that. And that's something that's relevant to us running a dance school. It, it's all completely relevant. And yet for most dance school owners, they're running a school without any of that experience. And so you obviously brought something really unique to your business, your dance um, classes that you ran, which is why I'm guessing you managed to grow it into the huge business as it is now. Because how many students do you think you have all, all together? It fluctuates because we go from babies right through to school age. Um, but at the moment, we've got around 800. And it goes, it, it, it fluctuates around that 800 mark. Um, obviously, we're always trying to build it. And at the moment, we're building nicely because it's show term. And, and as everyone will know, show term is always really helpful for, yeah. for building those numbers. So that's amazing. 800 under fives under sixes and we've gone up a little bit in age because as they move to school naturally we've had lots of requests to keep teaching these children um, our ethos is very much about nurturing the children about them enjoying and loving dancing and ballet rather than them competing and going straight into festivals and so on we and we don't even do exams it's all about learning through fun mm. um, but we do only use qualified ballet teachers. We do still um, ensure our syllabus is in line with, um, it's actually it's not even just in line. It's when you look at the, um, like the ISTD pre-primary ballet syllabus, for example, everything that's within that is within our syllabus and more. Mm -hmm. So it's been, and that's been developed not just by my, my business partner, but by her, by me, and by every one of our team. So it's a real collaborative, developed syllabus. Amazing, which is back to that management and leadership with your team, because you've obviously got the skills to know how to involve them and to bring out their um, their strengths in order to help with your brand. And so. You not only have you developed a highly successful class that you have duplicated and scaled multiple times, but you've also created a whole curriculum, a whole syllabus for your classes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And every um, exercise is video recorded. It's available online. When we hire a new teacher, I have, of course, created an onboarding process and a training program where when they're onboarded, they also use our, they have access to our video lessons before they practice and shadow teach and before they then teach. So there's a whole process there, but it's great because it works on their phones. They can do it in their own time. Um, but yeah, it, there's a massive catalogue, Deborah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is fabulous. And in terms of your onboarding process for your teachers, like, I'd love to dive into that a little bit in terms of, um, I think this is something that's really missing in a lot of dance schools. I feel like it's such a big deal when we lose a team member. It's so stressful. <laughs> like, oh my God, I've got to find a new ballet teacher for September. And, you know, all we're really focused on is getting adverts out there, getting somebody to agree to come and teach that's good enough, that we're happy with. And like when we've found that person, most people then go, great. It's this place, this time, here's the register, here's how we do things, you know, maybe spend a few hours and then and then that's it. It stops there. And and I'm like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> when are you teaching them your values? When are you going through your mission statement? When are you talking about, you know, the the things that really create the experience? Like if you're not doing those things, you're leaving somebody to do their own thing, which could be amazing and wonderful, but it could be very different to what you want done in your school because their experience, their the way that they do things will come from the school they grew up in or the schools that they've taught in. And they may bring something very different, a very different edge or a very different energy to the one that you want. And so to me, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like there's a real, a real lack of decent onboarding for dance schools when they bring in new teachers. The honest truth is I don't know what other dance schools do, but I know I'm a, pro I'm a natural problem solver. So if I've ever had a teacher that's not been onboarded properly, which we would have done at the beginning, I've learned from those mistakes. So when we've had, I did have a teacher one time who left. And when I, I always ask for feedback, if somebody leaves, you know, why are they leaving? The reason she was leaving was because of, um, the amount of extra stuff she was expected to do, you know, like fill in registers and um, collect money. And, and I'm going back probably 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but that was why I introduced our online system many years ago before other people were really using them because I wanted it to be so that the dance teachers that we were hiring, we were hiring them for their passion to teach dance. We were hiring them because they love to work with children and because they've got great customer service skills. So they're the, the things I look for when I hire a teacher. But what we were then doing was asking them to administer payments and, and money and spreadsheets and Dropbox and things. So now they've got everything on their phone. It's very easy and it, it, it's low admin. Um, and they just do what they're asked to do. So for me, the onboarding process has developed through mistakes that we made at the beginning. And mm. it's just got better and better and better. There's, there's lessons I've learned, like um, when you first hire a teacher, allowing enough time for when you advertise for a teacher to get enough interest before you interview them. So you've got more teachers to see before you make your mind up. And you have the confidence to set that date for that interview day. 
Um, and then when you interview them, although it might be a very friendly, informal coffee chat, you've still got set questions. And this goes back to my old management background. It has to be fair. So you ask the same questions to each teacher and you record your answers. You keep notes um, and you make sure you're looking for answers that are relevant to the skills and the and the the um, qualifications and things that you're looking for, but look for evidence of that. I mean, what have they done to demonstrate that in the past? And then you really get to understand if somebody really does like working with children or if they're just saying they like working with children. Mm. See what and I mean? Yeah, and that's two very different things, isn't it? Because people can say anything in an interview, but if you're actually asking for examples or evidence of what they've done or, you know, of their ideas, um, you know, then that's that's where you really kind of find out what they're going to be like in your school. Um, and I know that we're in the UK and people are listening from all over the world, but one of the questions that comes up all the time with my members is, where do I go to find teachers? I'm sure it's just the same problem for you. <laughs> You're probably constantly looking for new teachers so you can expand or occasionally replace a teacher. So just out of interest, where do you find your teachers, Cheryl? Quite honestly, the best way we've secured all of our teachers and I'll be honest we don't have much turnover our teachers don't they do tend to stay but when we look for teachers they tend to come from our own network so my business partner Leanne she's the the, the part of the business that's from the dance background Leanne has lots of dance connections so usually it comes from Leanne's connections dance wise or it'll be my connections just through who I know on the network that's our first way to recruit teachers the next way would be through social media posts and advertising mm. um, but that's not our preferred way our preferred way is through word of mouth yeah and I think something that you said there which brought up you know for me how you kind of have you have that network is things like my membership <laughs> <laughs> where people of course but or or not even my paid membership but you know my free social media groups where you know i really try hard to encourage a sense of collaboration and sharing and you know giving each other a leg up and helping each other out because i just think that the more we're there to support each other the more help is there for us when when we need that help and to be able to go into a group and say oh my gosh i'm looking for a teacher who knows you know everybody knows somebody but it's whether everybody's prepared to share all their somebodies <laughs> <laughs> yeah, often it's your own team as well. So our team are obviously all dance teachers, so they've got lots of dance teacher friends. Mm. So that also is another good way to find your dance teachers. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for yeah, thanks for sharing that. With regards to you taking your school, like how did you start? Did you start with two or three classes and then you thought, oh, maybe we could do more? Or did you always have a vision of wanting to have a real network of classes and a big, a big business? I had a really clear plan. So when we launched in 2010, I was working in London and I live on the South Coast. I had a moderate salary. I had a job that I loved before I had my children, but it wasn't a job. It was a career, as you know, but I had I was across 30 odd stores. So I was staying overnight. I was all over the place traveling. Um, 
I needed to change and my, my lifestyle needed to change because I had my children um, and I was on my second maternity leave and I had a sense of urgency that I'd made this decision that I was not going to do that anymore. I tried to make it balanced and it wasn't balancing and I needed to have a change, but I needed an income. I couldn't just drop my income. I needed the income because I relied on that income. So that was my driver. And I think when you think about businesses that have grown to the size of, of ours or far, far greater, you have to have a driver, I think. It doesn't accidentally get that big. Um, and I had a really clear driver. I had a salary and a number in my mind that I wanted to be earning from this business. It had to make money, otherwise it wasn't a viable business option for me. So whereas many dance teachers will move into their dance businesses because it's a passion and it's their love, it, this my, I am passionate and I do love what we do, but I had a real driver which was I needed to match my salary or at least match my net income. Um, and so I, I crunched the numbers and the numbers told story. The numbers told me I wasn't going to get that with one studio. I needed multiple sites. I needed, you know, I had a business partner, there's two of us. So we also needed to make double because there's two of us that need an income. So that that was a huge driver to scale the business fast and the way we did that was we tested the syllabus the very first set of lesson plans in one location um there was a lot of demographic work done as well because that was also something I had access to in my old job so there was lots of demographics on where to start where were most of the young families etc we started in Whiteley we launched the first set of classes they were full um, it, it went really well. We learned some lessons and then we, we hired five teachers and then we launched classes for those five teachers and then we hired another five teachers and we scaled to the size we are now, I would say in about a year and a half. Wow. This isn't something that's taken 12 years to get to. We've been this size for quite a long time, mm. um, but we didn't have the same number of pupils then. So the way it worked was we... And the, it was planned. I mean, obviously, it would have been great to be, you know, 31 sites and all fully booked. We obviously weren't. But initially, it was about break even. So we're going to launch a new site. It's going to break even. And if it's breaking even, I'm happy because it can, it will build. And you ha- we had to have the nerve and the confidence and the trust that it was going to build. So we kept launching and building and launching and building. And for the last, I would say the last five years, all we've done is we've stopped growing, conscious decision, and we've built the classes that we have because that's pure profit. Mm-hmm. So the really the strategy was launch and grow, launch and grow, launch and grow, stop, fill, 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 fill. <laughs> yeah, but it, even with fill, 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 there's also the... The, the big customer service aspect that we need to ensure that the, the balance is correct. So you can fill your classes and overfill them and then it all tips the balance and it all goes wrong. You have to have the right balance. So for the size of room, for the number of teachers that you have in that room, so whether you have an assistant or not, what is your optimal number of children that you can deliver an excellent class to, but you want to get to that optimal number? 
I love that because I think a lot of dance bosses have in their head, we take up to 15 kids and that's it. They just have that in their head. They can take 15 kids and they don't always think about the fact that they're in a small hall or they're in a big hall or maybe we're in a big hall. We could have three assistants and we could take more than 15 kids or this is a really small hall to give the same quality of class we need to cap our class at 10. like i mean it seems so obvious and so sensible but i don't think everybody always does that i think one lesson is that nothing is ever really um we can't take for granted anything that we think is obvious that other people will agree with and and i know that again from the onboarding process and the training process with teachers is when i hire a new teacher or when we hire a new teacher we we tell them everything we expect of them including you know what color leggings to wear and to greet every customer as they arrive and to to ensure they know the names of the trial customers before the trial customers arrive all of these little things that are big things have a big impact they're all covered in their training from the beginning and and i think we'll go on more i'm sure about the team development but one of the things that i love is that our team i know my teachers will tell me if if i've overfilled a class <laughs> my teachers will tell me if the, if that customer service level is changing i will know about it and that's because i want to know about it and because they know that i don't want unhappy customers mm. so how so how do you get that benchmark right how do they know when they need to come to you and say oh Cheryl it's already full like what is the benchmark for the experience that you want your students to have well, there's a few things. So I, I, I know it sounds very corporate, but I do call them our KPIs, our key performance <laughs> indicators. And um, I meet with the teachers termly, um, usually for a coffee, and we review their bookings. We review their trial bookings and the kids that have joined. We review their sales of stock. And because we know when they buy a tutor in shoes, they stay with us for longer because they're invested. So we, we review all of that. We also talk about the customer experience. We talk about the risks. We talk about where we might be losing opportunities, missing opportunities. Have we had any unhappy customers? How, you know, what's been happening? So we do that when we meet in person, but because we're always talking about it, it means that as soon as something changes, it's really easy to drop me a message or give me a ring. Mm. So you've got that lovely constant flow of communication between you and your teachers, and they know they can come to you easily if they're not happy or if they feel something's going wrong. And so that's a real, um, a really strategic relationship that you've built so that the brand stands up. And to be to be fair, they don't call me very often with many problems because because we do invest in our team and I trust my teachers. I have great teachers. They're not they're they're like mini business managers. And um, my part my business partner laughs at me because I still think about my uh, our stars ballet locations. I still in my mind think of them as my stores your 30 stores yeah. <laughs> 30 odd stores are my 30 odd it's probably not a coincidence it's the same number my 30 odd locations and my store my store managers I've got my bat stars ballet teachers are like my store managers so I've still got that same way of working I suppose 
Yeah, yeah. That uh, you know, that's actually really interesting that you've got the same, <laughs> the same number of locations as you had stores. I think there's something woo woo going on there, but we <laughs> we won't go into that right now. But talking about mindset and um, you know how we can sometimes kind of create our reality or not, as the case may be. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, which is kind, I'm kind of understanding now, actually, before I even ask the question, was I know that sometimes you know. Sometimes dance school principals, they have big visions, big dreams. They'd love to do this. They'd love to do that. They'd love to have multiple locations or X number of students. Or, But actually, there's quite a lot of subliminal fears that kind of hold them back because obviously, you know, as you grow a business, it's it's not as easy to give the personal touch, to know every child's name. And I think sometimes, you know, it's like another level, another devil. Like as your business scales, you have to learn new things. You have to be better at managing. You have to be better at leading. You have to have better systems. And that can really frighten people sometimes. And I think that sometimes subconsciously stops people's businesses from growing. They don't even know it's stopping them, but it actually stops things from getting any bigger. Like, how did you cope with your kind of mindset in terms of we've created these lovely first five classes, it's all working beautifully, the classes are full. Like, I'm guessing it wasn't a massive issue for you, but but maybe what advice would you give to others? Um, the first piece of advice would be to trust the people that you hire. So investing in people is is something I'm really passionate about. So your team, you invest in your team, and that's that bit about the time when you first when you first employ them or hire them. Um, and but you invest that time in them because they need to trust you and you need to trust them. But you must have really clear, defined roles. What is your role and what is their role? What are they accountable for? What do you expect of them? What do you, they expect of you? What are you accountable for for them? And if you've got that bit clear, then actually it will work like a dream. And because I trusted the teachers that we had hired and the training process that we'd gone through, which was actually a bit like if I had hired a store manager or if I had hired a sales, a sales manager, um, because I've trusted the processes that I've learned and lived with for over a decade, I didn't really worry, Deborah. I felt really excited. Um, if I was giving anybody advice as they scale, it would be, and it's old advice that you would have heard lots of times before, but genuinely keep your eyes in your own lane. Don't worry about what the dance school up the road is doing. Don't worry about anybody else. Just focus on you your team, your pupils, your customers, and be you, do you. Mm, your purpose, what you're here to to achieve. And that's, um, I think, you know, be you, that is something that's just, I love that. I love that because I think so many times people kind of, they, they try to model themselves on what they think they should be doing because that's what the school down the road does or that's what I did in my school. Or instead of just going, do you know what? I'm going to do something different. You know, I'm not going to necessarily just do these things X, Y, Z, because that's what everybody else does. That's what's expected of me. I'm going to just throw some of the rules out the, out the, you know, out the window because I don't want to do those things. Like I want to do my own thing and not worry about the fact that you don't fit inside 
a box. Um, what what did you do with your stars ballet to to kind of create your unique your USP as we call it in business? Um, it's funny because I, we even planned our USP. Like, what is our USP going to be? It was even something I thought about right at the beginning. Um, not that I thought about everything. There was lots that that we made up as we went along and just winged it. But the USP was something I put a lot of thought into. And at the time when we launched, um, my, I had a baby and a toddler. And as a mum at that time, and I'm going back 12 years ago, it was not a welcoming environment to walk into a dance school when you had a baby who was perhaps just maybe eight months old and a toddler who was quite a boisterous little boy. So my experience of dance schools varied from um, not really being very welcome to walk in, not really wanting my boisterous boy. Babies, definitely not yet. They need to be potty trained before they can start. These were the um, the messages that I was getting and receiving as a customer. So I my sort of customer service radar was like dinging away. You know, this isn't good enough. You know, I'm a mum and I want to see, I want my kids to dance and um, there's not anywhere to do it. And, and I want to dress my new baby girl in a really cute tutu and I want you know, I want all of these things and there wasn't, it wasn't out there then. I know it is more so now. Um, but because I could see the opportunities, it made me think, right, let's create something that I would want to go to. So I, at that time was struggling with sleep because I had a baby and a toddler and um, I hadn't slept properly for two years. So a coffee in the morning was really important. And if I rocked up to a dance class at half past nine in the morning, it would have been quite an effort to get out of the door, to get to that class, to then sit or to be with my child for half an hour to then go back home. It would be a little bit of an effort versus the reward. So we introduced a, a coffee and a cup of tea when you arrive and some toys for the children to play. So there was a social aspect and then there was the dance class. And that allowed the teachers to um, get to know the customers because they're not just constantly instructing and teaching. They got to build a relationship with the customers. Um, And from there, the customers had more of a reason to come out. Those mums needed that cup of coffee or they needed that chat with another mum because like me at the time, they'd just left careers and, you know, working lives. So, yeah, really, I just developed something that I wanted. Mm, Yeah, that's amazing. And I think... The thing is, we talk a little bit in business sometimes about, you know, what is the pain point? You know, it sounds a bit of a a harsh kind of thing to talk about. But what we mean by that, of course, is what is it that somebody might want or need that we can fulfill? Because when we can fulfill something that somebody wants or needs, people are prepared to pay for that, whether it's a product or a service. And so what you did is you sat back and said, what is it that I think mums really want? What do they really need? What can I do to make life easier so they're going to want to come and be involved in this? And something as simple as a place to sit with a baby with a bunch of toys, and a coffee and an opportunity to make some friends whilst your child is doing their class um, is, is just magical. You know, for that parent, that's the reason they would come to you rather than potentially, you know, the, the school down the road that doesn't offer those things. And you did that from a perspective of what might the customer really want rather than what do I want to deliver to them? Mm, yeah. 
Absolutely. What is putting yourself in the customer's shoes? And it was easier for me to do because I had small children and I really wanted to get them dancing. So that was actually how the business idea came about was I was at a toddler group with Leanne, my business partner. And we had our, I think we we had our babies and our toddlers, the boys were boisterous and running around. We were talking about how amazing it would be to get the girls into ballet classes um, and the boys. And then we laughed about the boys because they were just so boisterous and would they be allowed and so on. And that's where it grew from, was from that desire as a customer for that service. Mm. And I mean, obviously that came out of your own experiences for you and Leanne. You were literally at that point with your family and that's where the idea grew from and the business kind of evolved from. But if you were running a dance school now and you perhaps didn't have something that was a tangible experience to spark these ideas, would you suggest, um, you know, even something as simple as like, a parent focus group to sit down with your parents and find out, you know, what do they love about the school? What do they find a bit crunchy about it? What happens around showtime that just is a bit of a pain for them? Like, I think sometimes we just don't use our own customers' voices enough, do we? Yeah. And, and it's funny you call it a customer focus group because I used to run customer focus groups again, back in Marks and Spencer's many, many years ago. Now I would, I would plan it as a coffee, like come, come with us. We're going to bring the coffee. We'll bring the coffees and the pastries. Come with us. We really want to hear you know, about your experiences. We want to get better. We want to be better. What can we do better? We really want your ideas and opinions. Mm-hmm. And actually who doesn't like to be heard? We all like to be listened to, don't we? Exactly. And the great thing about kind of um, creating that kind of opportunity, that environment with a parent group, is that most of them have probably got children or they have taken one of your students to another children's activity where they've experienced other things and it's not just about you know please talk to us tell us what we do well tell us what we don't do so well you can also be kind of tapping into those brains of other ideas you know the number of times i've had parents that have said to me oh my child goes to um a little judo class and i this was a long long time ago before direct debits and automated payments and everything else and i remember someone saying to me my child goes to judo and we have to pay a registration fee which is quite a lot of money which includes his um his outfit i don't know what they're called sorry judo instructors (laughs) like his suit thing that he wears it includes that includes the insurance and we pay by direct debit and i remember at the time thinking oh that's very strange that wouldn't work in the dance world like everyone pays termly and like it was just a very different model but it certainly sparked some ideas i was like oh is that something that could work for us like could we pay could we charge an upfront fee that included their uniform um you know and it was things like by asking the parents you know from their experiences not just within our school but within other activities that they go to you know and they might say and it didn't work for us like we didn't like the fact we had to pay by direct debit and buy a uniform like that might be a no-no but it might have been something that they loved and so i think this is a, a great example for the listeners as something that they could take potentially from the podcast, you know, go and create a little parent group and ask them, what do we do well? What could we do better? But also what impresses you when you're out and about with your kids at other kids' activities that you take them to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also think getting your team together 
and really getting into the detail with the whole team of teachers really works. One of the things that we organised a while back, um, I booked a table for the team for dinner and we had three courses, but we <laughs> we did a different topic for each course. So it was like, right, we're going to buy you dinner, but we do buy, we buy the team dinner anyway. Not, you know, not, not, it's not an unregular occasion, but this time we were saying we want you there for three courses and we've got a topic for each course. And we had a, a note taker who did all the post-it notes for us. And it was great because everybody was being listened to and who doesn't want to be listened to. Um, and we got all of the feedback to help us improve and, and make things better. Yeah. And, you know, like you say, what team member doesn't want to be listened to? And I mean, I th I, th I know that I personally find, I'm sure you'll, you'll probably agree that when somebody has an opportunity to put their input, their creative input into their, their job and be, and they know they're being listened to, they're generally more invested. They're more on board with the success of the business, especially if it's an idea that they've come up with that you've taken and you've run with it. Like who doesn't then want to see that idea become a successful part of the business? Like, because that's theirs, that's their thing that they need to prove was a great idea. And so really listening and giving them that opportunity is quite key, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's vitally important because they're kind of on the front line. They're there in front of the customers, teaching the children, experiencing it real time. And, you know, times are changing, as we know, all the time. Like um, our children that are under three at the moment, many of them have never been to any activities because of lockdown. And so we're experiencing you know, very different um, experiences in class with these children. Uh, and with the mums, because the mums haven't experienced socialising with their babies and toddlers. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's all, I'd love to just say, you know, running a successful, you know, early years programme in multiple locations is just down to this. <laughs> or it's just down to that strategy like there's one big tip for you all and it's going to be amazing but it's it's all these things and we've covered so much ground here it's been absolutely fabulous thank you so much um i'd love to just sort of say if somebody was thinking about wanting to scale up any part of their business it doesn't have to necessarily be the, the preschool element um what's the one biggest advice that you would give them if you could just give them one strategy plan and by plan I mean your plan has to include your numbers and it's something that so many of my business friends as well as you know dance business friends but all of my business friends so many people do not look at the numbers um there's nothing scary about the numbers the numbers tell you a story so when I was looking at the numbers right at the beginning that's how I knew I had to scale that's how I knew how much money I needed to charge for my classes and how I could work out how much I could afford to pay for my teachers. So, and then it also made me realize by looking at the numbers, how important it was to sell more uniform. So there's so many factors that if you don't make a plan that includes the numbers, then you won't know what you're doing. <laughs> you won't know if what you're doing is working. So the, the, the plan has to be done with some some measurables and um, for me that's you know what's my rent what do my teachers cost what am I investing in um, resources to run the class and what um, am I going to be selling retail wise and what's the profit like so mm -hmm. I would have a little forecast for everyone if I'm on break even what how many kids do I need in that class if I'm um, on target what does that mean if I'm 
fully booked, what does that look like? And then you scale it. Mm, Fabulous. And I think, you know, taking the time to plan is one thing, but taking the time to measure how things are going is another thing. And that's the part I think that many people miss out. Maybe I'll share my spreadsheets with you, Deborah. (laughs) Oh, that would be amazing. I'm sure everybody would love your spreadsheets, Cheryl. (laughs) Let's just finish. I just, I've loved this so much and I'm sure the listeners have too. Um, I like to kind of wrap up our interviews with just a really silly, fun, quick fire, throw questions at you. The idea is not to think it's just to come up with the first thing that comes, kind of rolls off the top of your head. Um, But I'll apologize in advance if any of these are like, Ah, I don't know. It's not always, sometimes some people say, I don't know, don't ask me that, I'm stressed. (laughs) I don't mean it to be stressful. Um, But let's see what you come up with. So are you ready? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, favorite business book? E-Myth. If you were to have 15 minutes with someone in history that's no longer with us, who would you love to sit down and talk to? George Michael. Oh. Or Princess Diana. Could I, could I? You can only have one. <laughs> Diana, I, I'd like to. I'd like to have a cuddle and a chat with her about everything. Amazing, and someone that's still alive. Oh, hmm. Let's think. Famous people still alive. Uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey. She'd be very interesting. She's yeah, mine. she's mine. Yeah, she's mine. <laughs> I'll have you said. I'd have to get a, fl- a flight and everything then. Yeah, that's okay. She'll pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's my ultimate goal is to get Oprah Winfrey on my podcast. I, ju- I do believe in dreaming big. <laughs> and what about favourite place in the world? Well, if, if, if I think about places that I enjoy being now, it would honestly be the sea, the beach, in the water. Uh, that's my favourite place. But if it's in the whole world, there's places I haven't been. Like, I, I've got Thailand on my list. I want to, my children are older now; they're twelve and fourteen, and they're getting excited about adventure. Mm. So I'd, I'd quite like a big trip where we do Thailand and some other places. But we'll see. Yeah, fabulous! A beach, a boat, and Thailand. Mm. Yeah, White sounds South. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, scariest thing you've ever done? Probably quitting my job quitting mm-hmm. the career the thing that I knew so well and I was good at it and I I was established in it and I was giving it up and there was no certainty of income or salary or anything so that was probably my scariest thing yeah I can I can understand that when you're telling me earlier I was like wow this lady's brave like <laughs> that that's a big thing isn't it and mm-hmm. um and I think particularly particularly because you knew you then had that pressure of I've got to make this work. Like that's like you said, that's a real driving force right there, isn't it? Mm. Um, favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. Ah, <laughs> you're not vanilla, Cheryl. You're very much not vanilla. <laughs> vanilla. Vanilla is lovely. Creamy clotted cream vanilla. Yeah. Oh, that sounds better. With Put the clotted cream in there. <laughs> um, Peanuts on the top if you like. 
Oh, okay. It's getting better. Yeah, I'm from the West Country, so anything with clotted cream goes down well down here. Um, thank you, Cheryl. I'm, and I also want to tell the listeners that you're going to be judging one of our awards because, um, as some of you may know that are listening, I'm running the UK's first dance business conference in August, which is in Birmingham, 24th and 25th. We've got two amazing days of guest uh, speakers that are going to teach us all the most amazing things that we need to make our businesses more successful. And as part of that, we've got a fabulous dinner dance in the middle of the two days and 13 brand new dance business awards that any of you can enter. They're simple. They're easy to enter. You don't have to feel like you are the absolute best in the country to enter the award. You just need to enter the award. And Cheryl is going to be judging one of those awards for us. And so I think you're going to come and join us in person, aren't you, Cheryl? Certainly am. I'm going to come up and I think I'm judging your leadership award. That yes, awesome. that's yeah. right. Yes. So if any of you um, feel like some of the things Cheryl's talked about today, you're thinking, yeah, I do this. I think I'm on the same wavelength as Cheryl. Like I completely get what she's saying. These are things I have happening in my business. Like then you are very, very eligible to enter yourself for this award. Um, and I am very grateful that Cheryl is going to be looking over the entries and will be there, there in person to hand out the award this year, which will be fantastic. Our first ever dance business conference. Um, and, you know, we we know each other, but we've never actually met in person. So there's going to be lots of lovely um, real-time hugs when we get to August. <laughs> oh, looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cheryl. And um, all the best with everything. Um, and we'll keep in touch. And um, yeah, hope everything continues to grow with Stars Ballet. Thank you. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Ultimate Dance Business Podcast. Of course, you can come and find me in Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and on YouTube. But the real magic happens within my membership. Sparks, ignite or illuminate. There's one for each one of you, depending on your level of investment, time and motivation. So check out the website dancebusinesslab.com. Click on work with me and let's see if we can really start to make a difference. Are you looking to get precious time back in your life so you can make more time doing the things you love? DanceBiz is a class management and booking software from the lovely folk at ThinkSmart that will automate and streamline all your dance school admin. It's the perfect tool for all those tasks that just seem to take so long and will help you to work smarter, not harder. Message me today, folks, and I can give you a code so you can get two months free.